Hello everyone, welcome to my show, Career Startup Leadership Podcast, a podcast to spotlight world-class Asian entrepreneurs, leaders, as well as allies who can provide insights from their personal journey to inspire you. And this is your host, Priyanka Komla. And today I'm super excited to be here with our 66th episode of Career Startup Leadership Podcast. And you know what? I have a special ally whom I'm going to unveil in just a quick moment. And a reminder to subscribe to us by following me, Priyanka Komla, as well as our Career Startup Leadership Podcast page on LinkedIn for your LinkedIn Live notifications. We're also on YouTube, Twitter, and your favorite podcast streaming platforms. So follow us, subscribe to us, and hit a like, and please review and rate us on any of the podcast streaming platforms as well to help us understand how this podcast is continuing to inspire you to be a best version of yourself. All right, without further ado, I have a fantastic guest on our episode today who thinks that money management could be fun, entertaining, and simple. And my ally on this episode has helped thousands of millennials work their way out of financial despair. So we're going to talk about a lot of interesting things. And here we go. Rachel Richards, the finance hey, Priyanka, How are you? I'm super excited to have you on the show, Rachel. Welcome again. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And a quick shout out to our common connection, Naga Subramanya, who is also a podcaster and a mutual connection of ours who introduced me to this fabulous guest. So thank you, Naga, whenever you're hearing this. <laughs> All right, Rich, uh, Rachel, uh, let's get started on your work, the kind of amazing, impressive portfolio that you have. But more importantly, you as a person, you know, Rachel, as a person, because I've always looked at you in awe in terms of how you've retired at a very young age and are living the dream of your life. So I hope this episode can inspire a lot of us to build on that dream and actually take actions, maybe little, little baby steps to make things happen. Yeah, for sure. I, I was inspired at a pretty young age to start learning about finance. Um, I grew up actually in a really wealthy county in Kentucky. And just to give you some context, some of the kids in my high school got brand new BMW convertibles when they turned 16. And my family was not operating that way at all. I mean, we were always on a strict budget. We weren't going on you know, family trips necessarily, anything like that. So at a young age, I felt like I didn't fit in from a financial perspective. And that's not the way you want to feel in middle school and in high school. So I remember thinking to myself that I didn't want to end up like everyone struggling with money. I didn't want to have to operate on a strict budget for the rest of my life or borrow money from family and friends to make it to my next paycheck. I wanted to be different. And I realized that what I did then would could either set me up for wealth or for poverty. So that's when I started to take things seriously, learn everything I could about finance. I've always been an avid reader. So I started reading books like Millionaire Next Door, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Total Money Makeover, and really started educating myself on money management. That's pretty awesome. And look, here you are today. Outside of the material possessions, it's like the inner happiness that you have, which I can see on your face, reflects on your journey. Oh, it's I'm so happy. I never imagined I would be retired at such a young age. I thought it was longer. It was always my goal to retire, become financially independent, but I just never thought it would happen so fast. And it's great being in a position financially where I can spend time a, doing what I love, and B, figuring out how to give back and continue to make an impact on other people. That's pretty cool. And just a quick reminder to our live listeners who are tuning in on several different platforms to drop in a quick hello and where you're tuning in from, as well as if you have a question on 
financial management or anything that you would love to hear from Rachel Richards herself. So Rachel, tell me this, you know, at the age of 27, you quit your corporate job and you retired. And today you are making a passive income of almost $15,000. What's the secret behind the success? Um, I would say in terms of the one thing that separates people, the people who want to become financially free but can't quite get there versus the people that do, I just think is the ability the ability to execute, right? Because we we all generally have the knowledge. We know to do things like pay off our debts and save more money and invest in the stock market. So why don't we actually do it? It's because of things like... Um, you know, self-discipline, self-discipline is, is hard. And then privilege, you know, not everyone has the same opportunities in life and that can hold us back as well. But I think if you have the attitude of, I can do this, I want to make a change in my life. That's kind of where it begins is having that mental attitude of, I'm going to do as much as in my power to control my future and start implementing what I know I should be doing because knowledge is nothing without execution. So that's what I always tell people to focus on is once you get past the learning and consuming the knowledge and listening to the podcast and reading all the books, you have to know when it's time to take action and take that first step. Beautifully said. And taking action, I think that's one of the places where we feel like we're still not ready. Oh, yeah, I still feel that way. <laughs> it's so hard. I mean, part of the or something that helps me get past that is just to accept that I'm going to make mistakes especially when it came to investing in real estate. That was a really scary step for me. I mean, that's a big thing. There's a lot of fears there. And I, t I kept holding myself back because I would tell myself things like, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough knowledge. I don't know what I'm doing. But once you accept the fact that you're going to learn more as you go and you are going to make mistakes, there's no way around that, then it becomes a lot easier to just get started. You know, that's very true. So let's talk about your journey in depth. So real estate investing is something that you've done. You have 40 rental units. Now, there are a couple of things I wanted to talk to you about. One is, how do you start? Like, where did you get the seed money from? And two is, how did you figure out real estate investing is what your vision was? My vision started actually after reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It was the first time I'd been turned on to real estate investing. And I thought to myself, okay, this is it. This is the road to financial independence. I'm just going to do this. Um, I didn't know there were all these other ways to build passive income, but I do now. And in terms of how my husband and I got started, so we had a lot going for us. I First of all, we both graduated from college without debt. I paid my way through school selling Cutco cutlery. Have you heard of Cutco knives by any yeah. chance? <laughs> they're, help, us, help us understand more. They're like American-made high-quality knives. So I, I did that sales job to pay my way through school and graduated debt-free. And my husband is a veteran, so he used his military benefits to pay for school. So that was obviously a huge advantage. Even, even though I never made six figures and I only was making $36,000 after graduating, I still found a way to save half of my income because I didn't have debt. So that was really helpful for us. Um, also, we were investing in Louisville, Kentucky, which is a really great place to invest. It's not like New York or you know parts of DC or California where housing prices are super, super expensive. Anywhere in the Midwest where housing prices are cheap is a great place to invest. So our money went a lot further. 
the first duplex we found was $100,000. That's what it was listed for. So by then, my husband and I had saved $10,000 each. And we kind of combined that to get to our 20% down payment. That's pretty cool. And what happened? How did you end up from one to 40 rental units? Yes, we scaled very quickly. Um, so before we even invested, we were saving aggressively. And then after we bought that first duplex, we were saving 100% of that cash flow to reinvest. So our savings was starting to increase more and more. But I think the key factor that helped us scale so quickly is the fact that I had my real estate license. So I had my license. It wasn't for the purpose of help, helping clients or have, you know buying and selling houses for clients. It was only for my own purposes as a real estate investor. So I would represent myself as the buyer's agent on all of our transactions. Basically, we would, we would fully deplete our savings to purchase um, a house. And then I would immediately get a commission check back for thousands of dollars. I mean, sometimes five or 10 or $12,000. And that would kickstart the down payment for the next property. So that's how we went from zero to something like 38 or 39 doors in under three years. And where are your other rental units located? Is it across the US? No, they're actually all in Louisville, Kentucky. So that's where I had lived before moving to Colorado. Um, we moved out here to Colorado earlier this year. You know, one thing that you feel is when you're scaling, have you ever looked back and thought, maybe I scaled quickly or I should have scaled more quickly? Um, I think we I think we could have started sooner. I don't know if we could have scaled more quickly. But we definitely could have started sooner. A lot of people think that to start investing in real estate, you have to have a lot of money. And I've actually found that's not true. There are ways you can get started with a, a lot less money than we had. And if I knew then what I know now, I would have gotten started when I was you know, 18 or 19 instead of 24. But two ways you can start investing sooner. Number one is house hacking. So with a normal investment property, lenders require you to put 20 to 25% down no matter what, because they see it as riskier and there's no way to get around that. When you house hack, that means that you're going to buy the property and live in it as your primary residence. So you can either buy in it, buy the property, live in it, fix it up if it needs you know, renovating and then sell it for a profit. Or you can buy a multifamily property that has more than one unit and then live in one unit and rent out the others, which will sometimes offset your entire mortgage payment. So those are the two ways to house hack. And what's so cool about that is that because you're living in it as your primary residence, you don't have to put the 20 to 25% down. If you're a first time home buyer, you can qualify for an FHA loan, get three and a half percent down. Even if you can qualify for a conventional loan, sometimes you can put as little as five or 10 or 15% down. So that means you need a lot less money up front to buy the property. So that's one way. And then the second way, which if I had to start all over with $0 to my name, this is what I would do. The second way is called wholesaling. So finding a, a deal is the hardest part. Finding a really good opportunity is the hardest part. When you're a wholesaler, you go out and you find a great deal. You put an offer on the property and you get something called an assignable contract. You then take that contract and you can sell it to other investors who want to purchase the property and who have, who have the money to follow through. So you're kind of acting as the middleman. And finding the deals is the hardest part. So investors will pay you to go do that hard work for them. I've seen wholesalers make 10, 15, 20 grand per deal by doing this. 
So it, it would only take you a few deals to have enough money saved. Plus you're learning so much as you go. And I think that's, that's the way that anyone can truly get started without having money at all. You know, you bring up a very good point because we are always looking at, you know, having that financial capability in order to start a new venture. But here are some, you know, potential ways you can creatively work around those. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just didn't know that back then. And I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, by kind of spreading that and educating people on that, somebody else can hear it and be like, oh, wow, I, I can get started now. I actually don't need money. You know, that's very true. Now, tell us this with COVID, how has the rental business been impacted? Yes, I'm glad you asked. It's definitely been impacted. Um, I feel like pre-COVID, we all had this belief that having a full-time salary job equates to job security and income security. But there's, if you're 100% dependent on a single source of income, there's nothing secure about that. What happens if you lose your job? You get laid off, your hours get cut. And unfortunately, we've seen that this year more than ever with coronavirus. So that is when I talk about the concept of income diversification. Income diversification means having more than one source of income, having multiple sources of income. That way, when one income stream is impacted, you still have other income streams to keep you afloat. So my rentals are the perfect example of this because we were definitely impacted by COVID this year. In a normal month, we were making anywhere from eight to $10,000 per month in profit just from the rentals. In April of this year, we only made $1,000 in profit from the rentals. So that is an enormous decrease. That's like a 90% loss of profits. And the way I saw it at the time was, you know, there are some landlords that are doing better than me. There are some landlords that are, are doing a lot worse than I am. But if I just break even for a few months, I will be happy with that. And the only reason I wasn't in a total panic at that time is because we have other passive income streams keeping us afloat. We have the book royalties and um, our fundrise investments and my online course. So because we have the income diversification, we weren't operating out of a place of panic and desperation during that time. And I think that is the best way to safeguard your finances. I love the idea of diversifying your income streams. That's what like Warren Buffett always says, right? You want to diversify your portfolio so you don't sink with putting all your eggs in one basket. Exactly. And I think when we normally talk about diversification, it's about our stock portfolio. And yes, you should diversify that. But I think it's really interesting to think about how to diversify your income sources as well. That's very true. Now tell me this, as an entrepreneur, a young entrepreneur, how does, the, how does this take a toll on your mental health? Because you're always in constant thinking and creative mode. You're on the go to scale your business. Tell us about how this affects you from a mental health standpoint. Yeah, I'm super glad you asked that, Priyanka, because I don't think we talk about mental health enough. And I think as entrepreneurs, it can be incredibly hard to have boundaries, right? If, if you go from working a corporate job, you're going in from nine to five, and that's when your workday starts and ends. When you're an entrepreneur or working for yourself or working from home, it's hard to have those clear boundaries when you're not going into an office and leaving. Plus, I'm just a workaholic because I love what I do. I could work 12 hours on my book business and teaching people about finance. And then I would be like, man, that was such a great day. The problem is if I do that over and over again, that's unsustainable and that's very damaging to my mental health in the long run. And that's actually a really hard lesson I had to learn about um, two years ago. I started feeling very burnt out. 
I started feeling, I, I dealt with anxiety, which then led into depression. And the over, the bigger, the biggest feeling for me at the time was this lack of control. I felt like I didn't have any control over my time or over my life. It was very helpless and hopeless. And I wouldn't wish that upon anybody. I mean, it was a very dark place to be in. Um, but I did get help. You know, I saw a therapist. I started doing some morning routines that really helps me like meditation and journaling and gratitude. There were a lot of things that I realized I could do to help me have a more positive mindset and feel in control again. And at the end of the day, I'm still grateful for that experience because I learned some really important lessons. You know, when we're, when we start out as entrepreneurs, I feel like a lot of the advice that we're given is to say yes to every opportunity that comes our way, right? And I agree with that when you're starting out. If you're starting up your business, yes, you need to hustle and get your name out there. But there will come a time that if you continue to follow that advice, that will really hurt you. And that's what happened to me is that my calendar filled up with everyone else's priorities but my own. I realized I had to say no more often and that the power of saying no was incredibly important to my business and my mental health. And now I have a lot better boundaries. I'm in a lot of much more healthy and happy place because of it. You know, that's such an incredible transformation. And mostly people see at your success, Rachel, they look at you as a finance guru, best-selling author. But behind the scenes, there's, there's a lot of transformation that happens, the internal struggles that you have to be what you are, the public persona that you are. Yes. And it's still something I deal with. I still struggle with wanting to help every single person, but I don't, I mean, even if I can multiply myself by a hundred, like I couldn't do that. So it's just this fine balance of making sure I'm taking care of myself while doing the things I love while helping people. That's awesome. So tell us a little bit about your book. You just released the second edition with a foreword from Paula Rand. So yeah, pretty impressive stuff. Can you give us a sneak peek of uh, yes? So the this book? is this is Money Honey second edition with a foreword by Paula Pant. It's an Amazon bestseller. Um, I wrote Money Honey because I'm a former financial advisor, and after college, all of my family and friends would come to me for financial advice, which was great because that's what I love to do. However, I began to wonder, well, why aren't they reading books or learning on their own? And then I realized, oh, yeah, that's because personal finance is boring, right? For most people, it's intimidating, it's complex, it's dry. So no wonder people don't like to learn about it. So I thought to myself, well, how can I make the topic sassy and fun and simple? And that's where the idea for Money Honey came from. So it's really a, a book that approaches money in a fun way. And I think that's why it's really resonated so well with female millennials. It's It did better than I ever expected. It took off. I've sold over 20,000 copies and I have over 700 reviews on Amazon now. Hey, that's pretty cool. And uh, you know, it's always nice where you're distilling this valuable candid information uh, in an easy to consume format. So thank you for sharing that wealth of knowledge with us. Yes, for sure. And thank you for helping me. <laughs> awesome. So tell us this, uh, money management isn't always a fun topic, especially for millennials. What advice would you have for somebody who's just graduated out of school or is now into their first job? How should we look at money management? If someone's just starting out, the first thing I would tell them to do is track their expenses. This will be one of the most eye-opening things that you can do. And once you see where your money is going, it will be very obvious where to cut back. 
For example, and I feel like I shouldn't be admitting this because I'm supposed to be a finance guru, but the first month my husband and I did this, we realized we were spending over $900 per month on groceries, like just groceries for two people, not even eating out at restaurants. So I was like, oh my gosh, that is more than some people are paying for their mortgage or their rent payment. So clearly that was a huge opportunity for us to cut back. But like I said, once once you do that, it will be very clear. And I think when it comes to budgeting, I know we see it as this very dreaded topic, this very dreaded word. I think that sometimes the downfall with budgeting is that we're too unrealistic. We are too strict with budgeting. So I always encourage people to just make minor tweaks each week. Instead of going from spending a ton to then you're going to be super, super strict, don't go cold turkey like that. Just make minor tweaks each week, and it can be a gradual thing, a work in progress. Um, I love this quote by Dave Ramsey. He said, a budget is simply telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. That's a nice way of proactively managing money you know, in small ways as well. Uh, what advice would you have in terms of creating more revenue streams? Because if people are looking at a standard nine-to-five job, there are certain essential expenses that are going to happen, be it your rent, groceries, uh, for your basic needs, your electricity. How do we create more revenue streams so you can, uh, you can live a much more healthier, happier life as well? Yeah, and I'm glad you asked that because I think it's more important to focus on increasing your income rather than decreasing your expenses. When you decrease your expenses, I mean, obviously you should. We all need to live within our means, but it's also limited. There's only so much you can do. And typically decreasing your expenses means you have to reduce your quality of life in some way. You know, that means maybe you're not going out to eat at restaurants or you're not having as much fun doing social events. So I've always preferred increasing your income because there's no cap on how much money you can make. And that means that you can afford to live a more luxurious lifestyle if you want. So what I would say is to look at, consider passive income as a great way to increase your income. So what is passive income? It is money that is earned with little to no ongoing work. Now I know it sounds too good to be true, but it's not. And it's definitely no get rich quick scheme. This isn't like a MLM or like a, I don't know, a scam or anything. This, I mean, this takes some serious time or money to create. But the epiphany I had several years ago is that Once your passive income exceeds your living expenses, you're retired, you're financially independent. And I always thought it would be easier to generate five or six or eight thousand dollars a month in passive income rather than trying to save up, you know, one or two million dollars by the time I'm 65. So that's what I always tried to do, and that's what I favored. And I truly think that anyone at any age on any income can work on generating passive income and retire early. That's amazing. So you have a couple of revenue streams you've built for yourself, be it through your book, your course, and through the rental units. What else are you thinking to increase your cap? Yeah, so I think at this point we have six or seven passive income streams. So um, the rental income is, is bringing in the most, eight to 10 grand a month in profit. Then my book royalties bring in on average $5,000 a month in profit. Um, then my online course is probably about $2,000 a month in profit. Then we have some other ones. We're starting to invest in real estate syndications. We're invested in Fundrise, which is a real estate um, crowdfunding platform. 
And then we, we make some interest just off of um, our savings and stuff like that. So those are the current passive income streams. But in terms of the next one, what I have heard, Priyanka, from a lot of people is that they want to know more about real estate investing. So my following has been very clear. Give us more of this content. So I'm thinking of either writing my next book or creating my next online course about real estate investing. That'd be pretty cool. And we would love to have you back on the show to learn some insightful wisdom on those lines as well. Yeah, that would be fun. That's pretty cool. So you're part of the millennial generation and you have a great future ahead. What are you looking at in the next 20, 30 years from a long-term standpoint, but also in the next five to 10 years from a short-term standpoint as well? Um, it's I, I, it's so hard for me to think that far ahead because I'm like, oh my gosh, I have no idea where I will be. <laughs> uh, but in terms of generation as a whole, there are some trends that I have seen change. I feel like the way that we used to save for retirement, we used to um, save up, work a nine to five job, work for 40 years, save money and try to accumulate this nest egg of money so that by age 65, we could retire. That's what we've always traditionally done. And it used to work well. It did. It's just that times have changed and the way that we've approached retirement hasn't. And that's the problem. So for example, we are living longer. We have longer life expectancy. That means we have more years of retirement that we will need to fund. Also, the costs of college have ballooned, which has placed an enormous burden on our generation. And what's even more alarming for anyone in the U.S. is that the Social Security Trust Fund is projected to be fully depleted by the year 2035. So we can't even count on things like pensions or Social Security anymore to help us retire. And that's why I think this whole concept of passive income and just in general, entrepreneurship is really replacing that outdated method of saving for retirement. So passive income, I think, is where it's at. I think we're all wanting to learn how to generate more income streams, side hustles, become entrepreneurs that we can live life on our terms. And what I love about the way I've retired, I use the words retired and financially independent interchangeably. It's not that I'm not working anymore, you know, because a lot of people are like, Rachel, you're not retired. You're still working. And I'm like, well, yes, that's the point. I work when, where, and if I want. I work because I want to, not because I have to. And yeah, sure, some people will retire and they want to do the beach thing, and that's fine. I wish I could be more like that. I just get bored very easily. So my goal is to continue to create and build and have projects and impact others in a way that's meaningful and fun for both me and them. So that's what I will continue to do for the next five to 10 years. That's amazing. And I love the way you're defining life in your own terms. You're defining your own success and your happiness. And that's an incredible transformation because uh, you know, it makes you feel happy every day, just waking up and you're doing things that, that you love doing, not just because you have to do it. Right. And that's, I think that's the big difference. Passive income isn't always going to be something that you love to do. I got lucky that my book business and my book royalties and my online courses, they're passive. And I also love to do them. The real estate though, on the other hand, it's not something I'm crazy passionate about. I never wanted to have a huge real estate empire. For me, it was a means to an end. But I think the key is Passive income can allow you to do what you are passionate about and what fulfills you without having to worry about the money. So maybe you are fulfilled by your career and you don't want to leave your job. And that's fine because there are people like that. But I, I, what I would ask is, well, would $1,000, $2,000, $5,000 a month in passive income make a positive impact on your life? Would it allow you to 
have that, that feeling of financial freedom and travel and pay off your debts because I, chances are for a lot of us, I think it would. And that's why I think everyone can focus on creating passive income. That's amazing. And I'm so glad you've opened up our perspectives on, you know, what financial stability means and doing it in your own way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what it's all about. That's awesome. So we have a fun rapid fire round for you. Are you ready for it? Oh, I'm ready. Let's hear it. So you tell us the first thing that comes to your mind when I say the following, learning Italian. Fun and lifelong dream. <laughs> hiking. Oh my gosh, I'm obsessed with hiking. It's like my form of meditation. What does happiness mean to you? Happiness to me is not something that comes from external things or the things that we own. Because you can see someone who's poor and doesn't have anything and they're the happiest person alive. And then you can see the richest billionaire and they're miserable. So I truly think that happiness comes from within and it's really the ability to be overwhelmingly grateful for our current life circumstances, no matter what they are. That's a very philosophical way of looking at things. <laughs> such a young age. Thank you. <laughs> uh, what does success mean to Rachel? What, what was that one? What does success mean to you? Um, I think, so I think success and happiness goes hand in hand. I mean, I wouldn't view myself as successful unless I found a way to be happy. And this has been a challenge for me because I have always had these fears of not having enough money just because I grew up feeling that way. And so for me, it's always been like, okay, well, I want to get to the next milestone. I want to make this amount in income, or I want to have this much in net worth. And it's, it's this struggle of realizing, you know, Rachel, you're successful. You're, you can be happy with what you have. And I definitely am. So I constantly have to kind of walk that fine balance and realize success doesn't come with the next milestone. It comes with being happy with what I have. No, that's a very incredible way of looking at it. And I'm so glad you've been very open about, you know, the income streams as well as how your upbringing has been crucial in terms of your vision about how life needs to be. Thank you. I appreciate it. This was a fun conversation. Awesome. So how does your family look at your success? They have always been very supportive. I actually, when I was gearing up to quit my job last year, I was pretty scared about what people would think. Um, I don't know why in hindsight, but at the time, you know, I was walking away from a lucrative corporate finance career. So I didn't know if my family and friends were going to be like, Rachel, what do you think you're doing? You're crazy to leave your job. But instead, they really, um, they were the opposite of that. They were so happy for me. They were so supportive. And that really made me realize that a lot of the fears we create are our own projections. They're what we think other people are going to think. It's not actually reality. You know, that's a very nice reminder for all of us because a lot of our fears are unfound in some ways because it's just because it's outside of your comfort zone that we feel that's not my cup of tea. Yeah, but exactly. Look at you, you know, just stepping outside of that and you get your dream life, the, the life that you want to live. Yeah, exactly. And just not worrying about what other people think because chances are they're on your side. <laughs> I know. It's just that you don't have that, uh, you know, that courage, that first step yeah. is always like a little bit of a challenge. So but I'm hard. so glad you're paving the way for a lot of us to think beyond a standard nine to five. Thank you. Yeah. So tell us this. Uh, how do you describe yourself? Um, I just, I would describe myself as very ambitious. I've always been that way. I've always been a pretty serious, like studious person, but also very goofy. So my husband and I are super weird and just goofballs <laughs> to each other. Um, 
And, you know, now that I'm not, I, I kind of see myself as somebody that enables other people to achieve their dreams in a way, because when you think about your bucket list or your dreams, a lot of those things have a financial component. And if I can help people get their finances in order, then in a way I can help them achieve their dreams. So that's, that's my goal. That's amazing. And I'm so glad you have this legacy that you've started thinking about, which is impacting the community in a very positive way. And I feel really great talking to you, Rachel, because you've really helped us understand that financial wealth management is something that everybody could do. And it's not like a, you know, you don't have to be a specific expert in that topic. You can start small and look at you. You're such an inspiration for all of us. Thank you. I appreciate your kind words. That's so nice. That's awesome. So we've come to the end of the episode. So do you have any parting thoughts about what you've shared so far on our podcast? I just would encourage anybody listening to get started. You know, one thing I would like to leave everyone with is this quote by Zig Ziglar. He said, you don't have to be great to start, but you have to start to be great. And what I'd like to add, Priyanka, is that the Curry Up Startup Leadership Podcast is absolutely amazing. You are a wonderful host. Can't say enough great things about you. And having me on as a white ally, I, I'm truly honored. The work that you're doing and representing women of color and getting more Asian voices out there, that's absolutely incredible work. And I support you wholeheartedly. Thank you so much. Thanks for those kind words. And, you know, especially for the Asian community, it's always nice to understand you know, what kind of opportunities exist. You know, when you come, especially from a different country, you're setting up your career, your home and your life here. It's nice to just look at how we traditionally have grown up in a certain mindset and what the land of opportunities can lead you to. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. So thank you so much, Rachel. Such a pleasure having you on the show. And I've really enjoyed getting to know more about, you know, creative ways in which you can look at life leading a healthy, happy life in your own terms, but at the same time, looking at financial wealth management as something that we all can embrace as part of our day-to-day -day life as well. Yes, take control, empower yourself. I love it. <laughs> I love that. So a key takeaway on our episode 66 of Career Startup Leadership Podcast with finance guru Rachel Richards is, one, diversify your income streams, and two, yes, you can retire, but retirement is not just sitting at the beach, but looking at creative ways to fund your dreams and the third aspect is creating an impact for the community. It's how do you help everyone else succeed with you? And she's doing a great job with Money Honey. It's a wonderful book. You can find it on Amazon and any of the bookstores and give it a look and let us know what you think of, your, think of the book as well. Awesome, Rachel. Thanks so much again. And to our listeners, do continue subscribing to us by following me, Priyanka Komla, as well as the Career Startup Leadership Podcast page on LinkedIn to receive your LinkedIn live notifications. We're also on YouTube, Twitter, as well as on Amazon Music. So we just recently launched there. So you can find us on the go. And if you're finding us on any of the podcast streaming platforms, do leave us a rating and a review so we know how this podcast is inspiring you to be a better version of yourself. And tomorrow at noon Eastern, we have a wonderful guest on our 67th episode, who's Rena Singh, who's a resilience expert. So we're going to talk all things about money as we did today. And tomorrow it's going to be about how do we create a resilient version of yourself so you can enjoy life to the fullest. So catch us there. And until then, it's your host, Priyanka Komla, signing off. And we have an acknowledgement from one of our guests, which I wanted to share with you. Crystal Christie says, this was great. Oh, thank you, Crystal. This was a lot of fun for me, too. This was great. Thank you so much again, Priyanka, for having me.
Awesome. Thank you so much. And thanks, Crystal. And thanks, Rachel. Such a wonderful conversation. And I wish you all the very best, Rachel, in your upcoming endeavors as well. And we look forward to supporting you whenever that new online course or that book on real estate investing is, is going to come about. Awesome. <laughs> thanks, guys. Thank you.